relationship with my dad. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. WSAU, and we are here. It is Saturday. I'm in the studio, and Merle Kelch is joining us live, but he is on location today visiting family, I believe, down in New Orleans. And uh, We are. We are in Slidell on the north side of the lake. The north side of Lake Pontchartrain. And, uh, we are literally right on Pontchartrain, quite honestly. It's just, well, it's a chilly morning now, but it's been a great week. Well, you probably don't want to go out and do any sunbathing in the backyard then with those uh, gators down there, right? <laughs> Well, at least you don't want to go on waist up only. Yeah, or, or take a nap and fall asleep <laughs> in the backyard. Uh, all right. Precisely. Yeah, the phone lines are open. If you have a question for Merle, he can take your questions today, 715-845-2155. I thought we could start since uh, it is uh, January 2nd, and, you know, a lot of people making New Year's resolutions, and I would imagine mm-hmm. a, a regular resolution that is made by people is to be smarter with their money or to start a savings program uh, in the new year. And I saw uh, some recommendations for that. And one financial planner uh, said that you should make a list of three numbers. First of all, you should make a list of all of your financial assets. You should make a list of all of your debts and you should make a list of all of the money you spend per month. You want to speak, mm-hmm. uh, speak on those and then maybe some others that come to your mind if, if for someone who wants to start out on a spending plan or on a savings plan. Oh, geez. Those are, those are actually just beauties. You know, there's a there's a whole different place that we can go with this, but there's a book that's out there that's one of my favorite books. Um, it's a little 90-page reader, and I'm trying to get the authors down. I think I got the author memorized, but I know I certainly have the, uh, the book. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, um, it actually has a premise biblically, uh, meaning that you start putting some money away and you save 20% of your gross income. So, you know, this, of course, is supposed to be 30% and 10% of that is supposed to be tithing. I'll let you decide, that, folks, whether or not you do that one on your own. But one of them is for lending, such as you're using it to lend to somebody or bonds, if you will. You're collecting the interest, and the other 10% is for long-term growth, as in this uh, investments or markets or something that's going to appreciate in value. And so we take a look at, you know, how much we're spending, how much we're earning, and that hope. It always comes down to say how much we put it away. And, uh, you know, it's a story I've used for the longest time that said, um, those who save first and spend later end up employing all the people that do the opposite eventually. <laughs> and, and, and boy, it always kind of comes down to be uh, true uh, in that sense. But boy, starting out and saying, hey, we got to get going, we got to get putting some money away is just great. So how are the, uh, the article goes? Let's, let's do that. So what's the what's the best part the uh, best way of doing that? Uh, where do you uh, you know for someone who doesn't have a whole lot of money uh, and they want to start start doing this, uh, how do they go about doing it? Well, first of all, you find your your credit card from your wife and you give it to somebody else. That way, whoever has your wife's credit card charges less than what your wife does. No, gee. I, that yeah, should at least I, be I, about a 30 or 40% savings. Something tells me that your wife is sitting right there in the room while you're saying that. <laughs> no, she's outside of the door, but I'm sure she'll hear me eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me. But you make a good point uh, about but, getting getting uh, rid of or at least uh, putting your credit cards away so you don't use them on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, one of the, uh, true story, I mean, some of the biggest exercises we do from the investment, financial planning industry, financial advisor, whatever term you want to put onto the hat is, you go through and you have a person do a budget. Um, and I like to use a 401k first. You know, first of all, I like to have a person 
use their 401k and put those dollars in up to the, at least the point that they have matching contributions because that's free money. You can't do anything about it. The other part of it is, is that um, when we're putting money on the before-tax dollars, we don't see it necessarily. So if we start out with a $100 per paycheck, um, and a person says, well, geez, I didn't even know it's $100. I'd like to, if possible, say, well, let's do 150 next month and see how it goes. We put $150 a month now. Um, and we keep going until we say, well, geez, now it's really affecting me on the bottom line. Okay, maybe that dollar amount's too much. Let's back it off a little bit. And the reason is that so many times people have a budget that they're spending money. They just don't know where the money's going. And the only way that you actually get a handle on it is you start putting that money away, as we said before, saving first. And up to that point where it becomes difficult, and now the rest of the budget tends to, un- to uh, unveil itself. How many times have we asked people to you know, write down your expenses over a course of a three-month period of time? Nobody does. It's a lot of work. Nobody wants to do that. Um, and so that's one way I've found to get people to start putting money away and saving when they've not done it before. Well, I, I, and we've talked about this before. I think uh, we've heard stories about how people who do do, do that are uh, shocked and amazed by how much money goes out the door that you don't even oh, think yeah. about. Yeah. Um, you know, I still do it to myself. Uh, and look at how much money that um, I have that it just evaporates off. And uh, it absolutely amazes me. Um, my, of course, new wife likes to remind me how much I make money evaporate. Um, but uh, even myself, I, I look at it and say, well, Jesus, that was just really dumb. One of the biggest things I found is just to go through and pay stuff in cash. So rather than using my debit card or something of this nature, just pay for it in cash. I'll say, look at how fast it goes away. I say, hey, i got to get myself ratcheted back here. I'm just spending way too much money as, as it goes along. But that's another big thing. But how much are you spending is the, the biggest thing in the world. Whether you have to use checking accounts, whether you use a spreadsheet, whatever it is, but you got to know how much you're saving and where it's going. And it tends to be for all the little stuff that just goes out to warm the universe. Well, that's only $10. Well, that's only $20. And, and that's some of the biggest places to start. So the opposite side, again, what I like to do is just simply force people to start putting the money away. It makes everything else stress out, and they kind of force what it is. So on this, I have to say that one of my stepdaughters finally came through and said, I think I want to start putting some money away now inside of an investment plan. I got so excited this past week, Tom, you wouldn't believe it. I got a little tear in my eye. It's just beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you used to uh, teach classes for people who were just starting out in uh, in investing mm-hmm. and, and giving them some tips. You haven't done that in a while. I don't know if you're ever going to bring we those haven't. back. but um, well, we, we want to. We still, we still have all the stuff to do it. It's just that the schedule hasn't uh, allowed. But uh, what we're finding now is we're getting so much requests for it, but I think we're probably going to bring something like that back more than likely in summer or fall here of 21 as we get more of the vaccines out and all that kind of thing, and we can actually start doing it from a crowd standpoint. Well, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview? I, I know we don't have the full amount of time here, but uh, just give us some overviews of what you teach in those classes to start at the beginning and then and walk us forward. Well, you know, I wish there was a way that we could do this online. I'd be surprised if somebody's not doing it yet, actually, but... Yeah, when we do these classes, guys, um, it really kind of becomes the, the background of everything we should take a look at. From an investment standpoint, you know, we say, here's our news res- new, re- new Year's resolution, pardon me, to get this thing you're going. It starts out and says, just like we said, what's our understanding of money? Do we know how stuff works? If somebody says to you, have you started a Roth IRA and you get a deer in the headlights look and go, a what? A Roth IRA? Well, um, teach yourself, and not only that, but when you go to a class such as ours coming up, It'll teach you what a Roth IRA is and the advantage of it. You know, Roth IRA simply is we put the money with after tax dollars and never pay taxes on it again. So pretty simple. IRA, the opposite. We get a tax break now, we pay taxes on it later. 
um, we help teach uh, the basics of classes in the sense of um, how does compound interest work and how is it to our benefit? You know, so um, why is it we don't make any money inside of a bank? And so all these basic questions start coming. Then the second part is, are we taking advantage of everything that our 401k or simple plan or 457 or whatever it is at work? Are we taking advantage of everything that uh, we can do with it? Um, and, uh, and so the classical student teaches you how to do that. The biggest thing we talked about, too, is as far as our classes go, it, part of the class is we help you make your own financial plan. And this is the part that usually scares the dickens out of people because it forces you to sit down and look at the math and go, oh, man, am I spending money and I'm really doing things wrong. I'm not putting money away. It really scares the heck out of people because we force you to take your own snapshot of your own financial plan and help you work through it. Um, but what that does is it tells you where you are, where you're going, and what retirement is going to look like. Um, and hopefully retirement doesn't, you know, cause you to say paper or plastics or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the classes bring you to that whole process all the way through, right down into when we do our classes, we have our good friend Alan Hogan in his office come in um, and do a section on estate work, which is, you know, what type of a trust or a will or uh, which might be the better way to go for you and, and especially in particular with Wisconsin marital property rules, uh, which are different than anywhere else in the country. It helps bring all that stuff into life. And so when you have a class that's that comprehensive, um, I, I would wish that employers, and by the way, uh, Wisconsin Public Service at one point in time would do this for the retirees. And I wish classes or companies would come through and say, we're going to do this for all of our employees just because we think it's a good idea for everybody. Um, um, and boy, if you have the ability to see one of those folks, uh, do one. Otherwise, look for us in the fall as we tend to uh, open up with the vaccines here. I think some companies do. Uh, they, they may not bring people into a room, but they do these webinars where you can do them online. As you said, I think more and more companies are doing that. Now, the question is, are the employees taking advantage of it? And probably not as much as you'd yeah. like. You know? Well, not only that, but the webinar things, the unfortunate part is people don't stick around for webinars. I mean, we yeah. uh, do something else. Yeah. And so I think it's got to be a you know live event where you have interaction with people and bodies. Um, I don't know if you can believe this, Tom, but people, I think, actually like people. It's weird. Well, maybe. <laughs> to a point. Possibly. <laughs> I have a friend who wears a T-shirt that says, people, not a big fan. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, today's the day to get an answer. Give Every us a call. Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now getting in debt. I am tired of people being cowardly. So we're going to do something about it. It is a new year and a new time. Day at 2 on WSAU. WSAU, we're back. I'm in the studio. Merle's on location today, and we're taking your phone calls and questions. 715-845-2155. Saw a story uh, talking about uh, tech uh, tech's big rallies here in 2020. Seven most valuable U.S. technology companies, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, Tesla, and NVIDIA. NVIDIA, I think they're a gaming company, picked up a combined $3.4 trillion in market cap in 2020, powering through the pandemic and broader economic crisis. And um, I guess what does that bode for tech stocks going into 2021? Obviously, the uh, the old adage is uh, buy low, sell high. Sure. Um so are you looking at even trying to buy tech companies at this point? Is there more room for movement upward, or is there going to be a correction here in the near future? Yeah, it's interesting throughout the course of this past week. And by the way, Tom, we got the echoing solved. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, yes, uh, folks, you missed it because I was hearing everything four and five times. I thought I was in some sort of a scene at the end of Interstellar. You're <laughs> just a black girl and, and you were. 
So, you know, if we look at the technology, I mean, this is the biggest thing in the world. Um, everybody wants to buy what's hot. And I, I think, I don't know if that time has passed. I guess I'm not going to call for that, but we certainly have to watch for it. You know, let me give you one example of this, and that is Bitcoin. I've been getting phone calls and conversations about Bitcoin. And one of them, my son-in-law buys one, and he thinks he's the world's greatest investor, and I'm picking on you if you're listening, uh, for certain, because he thinks, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. Of course, it, it has gone from some 5000 where it was instead of mid-March to uh, 31341 here just at the end of the year. No, I am not recommending you go out and buy it, folks. I'm just looking at this. If you have an investment that goes from 5000 to 31000 over the course of Roughly six months, Tom. What do you think is a good idea to do? Well, we sell sell immediately well, maybe because profit, we had yeah. a well. We had a uh, I had a story earlier this week. An economics professor at NYU talked about uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and he says it's it's a scam. He says that Absolutely, it's not it's yeah. not a real thing. It's not a real monetary unit. You can't really spend it the way you can with money or, or and he says that this is a bubble that is going to burst, and when it bursts, it's going to burst very quickly. Yeah, and it's a person who comes in last is the one that gets their hat. Do you agree with that? Do you think, you think that cryptocurrency, especially <clears throat> Bitcoin, is is something that's going to uh, implode at some point in time, and that people yeah, who do, do have it, yeah, 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 I do. You know, here, here's here's the, the thing is, what if somebody asked you about cryptocurrency, and some close family friends, and I say the same thing to family, I said, okay, if you want to buy Bitcoin, you have two jobs to do. You got to tell me this, and if you're out here listening, you've heard me say it before, but I say this to you. <clears throat> go along and find out, okay, what does the company, not Bitcoin itself, but what does the company of Bitcoin create? And the answer to that, Tom, is easy. It's nothing. What yeah, profit it, yeah. does Bitcoin create as a result of their business transaction? In business, what profit do they create? And the answer is still nothing. Yeah, this so, economics professor's point was yeah. that it's all all of the value is in speculation. Yeah, all the value is in speculation on what the next person is willing to buy or sell it for. And so what's happened throughout the course of this year is Bitcoin has been used as a hedge in case something goes crazy with the markets and the economy as a result of, um, you know, the pandemic, so forth, inflation. we got an enormous amount of cash that's floating around right there. It creates an inflationary type of an issue. And so with that, if we also look at, you know, copper and gold. We've had those. They've run up as well because of the same type of speculation, which is fine, except those are real physical things we can hold on to. It's not a agreement or a bet, if you will, back and forth. And so... As a result of this, then, we can at least, least look at those we can grab on, we can touch, we can hold because it's a physical entity. Bitcoin isn't. Bitcoin is just nothing more than somebody's ability to pay you what you might want for it. So along the way here, we've had a number of hedge funds that have been going and buying Bitcoin throughout the course of the year. And now I am only speculating that this could be the case because there are a lot of mutual funds and fund families that will buy up funds and investments at the end of the year to run their prices up, especially on things that keep running up in value uh, to try to uh, uh, you know, dress or window dress their investments towards the latter part of the year. Then as the new year comes along, they start unfolding some of those business or, uh, those investments to take out the risk. It, it almost seems like to me that some of these uh, larger hedge funds have been going in and window dressing uh, their investments to help protect themselves inflation or what might come into the new year vaccinations, that whole bit, and they're window dressing or hedging themselves using Bitcoin. And so those big, large hedge funds then start selling those Bitcoins out to unhint or unleverage themselves. We can see this stuff tumble like a rocket. And the only reason I say this, we've seen it happen how many times with Bitcoin? A bunch of them. And so as a result of that, I keep saying to son-in-law and to other friends, one, you have to understand what it is, but you got to watch it continually at this point in time. 
If you have Bitcoin and you're not watching it 10 times a day, you're already behind the bubble and you're going to get caught because it can move that fast um, and probably will. I just don't believe it. Um, many broker dealers, including ours, is telling people, hey, um, uh, are you doing any heads, uh, uh, Bitcoin business? And if we say yes, they say, well, okay, you need to find a different broker dealer because we're not going to take on the risk of it. I'll tell you uh, what, wait, 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 we're, we're hearing uh, we're hearing some like devilish noises in the background of your call. Um, it's the crickets that are involved. Oh, I think it may, I think it may be uh, you may you may have touched a nerve with some of these big hedge funds that are monitoring this call, <laughs> and uh, they're saying, "Wait a minute, don't be talking about us this way. We can uh, we can come and get you." <laughs> well, they're going to need a you know some sort of a big cart, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we look at this, it's just the reality of how Bitcoin has, has behaved. And, and we have to have expectations that history will repeat itself in some of this stuff. Um, and so from that, we have to watch what we're doing. If you own Bitcoin, folks, you've got to watch it right now daily. Um, you have to watch it and multiple times throughout the day and have the ability hovering your finger over the sell button if you have the ability to sell and hopefully don't get caught uh, as, as it's dropping too fast. Well, we've talked about that before, too, as far as day trading goes and the ability uh, of folks, you know, you may get some people who are coming in and said, I want to invest in stocks and I want to invest in individual stocks. And, you know, they hear about a, a hot stock or they want to jump in to an IPO or whatever the case may be. As, as, as the beginning of our conversation was with the, uh, the, all the tech stocks and the stuff running out. You know? Right. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> obviously, if you don't have the time to put in and watch it 10 times a day, uh, mm -hmm. this is not something you should do. You know, you, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, part of the class we, t we talk about in one section in there, actually, and I'm just going to go back to that because it's just this perf perfect setting for it, is, is they talk about the three T's. If anybody who's listening out here, if you have the time, the training, and the temperament, you can invest inside of individual stocks, individual investments. You can do this. You don't need anybody like Merle Kelch or Bob Jones or Harry Smith or whomever. And hopefully there's not a Bob Jones or Harry Smith that invests inside of Walt as an advisor, but... You don't need it. You can do it on your own. The problem tends to be is that we tend to run out of time. I've talked about before on this program. I had a client who was probably one of the most successful investors I've ever known. Um, it did it individually. And believe it or not, he was actually a postal worker and uh, um, just found a knack for investing when he was 12, 13 years old. He started investing stock. And this is a true story, folks. His parents would have to invest with him. Um, he decided he wanted to become a postal worker, became a postal carrier, and uh, retired from that. And he's probably the only postal carrier that had a $2 million house. Um, and he did that because he was also a very gifted trader with stocks, options, the whole bit. In fact, I credit him with teaching me a ton of stuff about options as a young guy. And what he would do is he said, here's how we're going to execute it. And he came to a class that I did many years ago as a young guy in this business. And he taught me a lot. And uh, it was a great relationship. I did the execution for some of the stuff that he'd want to do. Well, as he finally hit about 62, 63 years old, he said, all right, I'm done. I'm retiring. And I said, okay. And so he handed me his portfolio. He said, I know what you can do. You take care of it for me. I'm retiring. That was it. He didn't want to think about it anymore. And he had that time training and temperament in which to do so. He retired. He said, I'm finished up and done. I took care of things there uh, from him going forward. Yeah, but that's not, that's, not norm that. that's not normal. I mean, that's not a normal yeah. situation. Exactly. And so now you hit into the rest of the story. If we do not have the time, the training, or the temperament in which to do so, some of the best places to do it is use it through mutual funds or some sort of a managed account, which would be, for example, you know, our 401ks or mutual funds and Apple bit. And going back to the tech companies and so forth, if somebody said, well, Merle, which tech stock should I buy? 
and, and it's starting to get to the point, Tom, where I would tell people, find a good tech mutual fund. And the reason is because they're going to have it diversified and spread out farther than what Tom or Merle are going to have the ability to do if we're just going out and buying those two or three stocks, because they're going to spread this stuff around over 18 or 20 different stocks, maybe as many as 100, and they're going to have a bunch of cash flow inside of here and various options to be able to hedge it in case it comes back down. And so the tech sector has run up so quickly um, that I would be, if I'm buying into it, I would be buying it through funds right now because we can get better diversification and hedging on it, too, because I don't think it's going to come crashing down and jumping in half. I don't foresee that, folks. Let me make sure I say that. It seems like the profit is certainly holding up the valuations of the stocks. Um, but I don't see it jumping up like it did last year. You know, last year. Well, how, how, how could it? I mean, Tesla is, was up 743 yeah. percent over the course of 2020. How how could it possibly do that again? I mean, that. that well, we, you, I, I still have my opinion about Tesla. I'm not sure why it went up to 743 percent. It should though. Yeah. You know, um, don't get me wrong. Tesla, I don't have a problem with their product, their design, what they're doing, but they're still a car manufacturer. Uh, and no matter what, they're not a tech company, in my opinion. They're a car manufacturer. But there are other now, companies here. I've, I've got the top S&P 500 stocks in front of me here for 2020. And, you know, normally you're looking at a return on a portfolio. What, what's a good return on a portfolio for your clients or for anybody's clients for that matter? Boy, this past year, our most conservative of clients uh, in the seven to, to eight percent right. range, nine percent right. range, seven to eight percent, seven to nine percent. I mean, these top five uh, S and P five hundred stocks for twenty twenty, as we mentioned, Tesla seven hundred forty three percent up, Etsy three hundred one percent up, Nvidia yeah. one hundred twenty one percent, PayPal one hundred nineteen percent. I mean, these these returns are insane when you look and, at. And it. I, I think two things are happening here. Um, one of them is one: are they making extra profits right now in the uh, pandemic area? And the answer is yes. And they're not doing it in any sort of a mean way. It's just that we're using the companies and products of, of these companies yeah. because we're all home doing stuff online. Right. So it only makes sense that they're making this sort of profit. But if we have any expectation that they're going to continue on in any sort of a, a slope or the same type of a pattern as they are right now, it's instead of growth, we're kidding ourselves. And this is where so many investors get themselves shot in the foot is because they believe that these investments are going to continue on at this pace. And it's just improbable that that's going to occur or continue on. Um, and so as a result that we look at it and say, okay, if we're still going to invest in these companies, um, what's a reasonable rate of return or expectation that we can have going forward? Because, Tom, if I gave you what the most conservative investors have for rate of return. We have investors that are more aggressive investors that are up in their 20s for rates of return. I mean, and, and just having a tremendous year. And that's well, but, that, that, but that's high. It's not 743% or 121% or oh, 102%. No. I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's when you, you, uh, yeah. you won the bat lottery. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You won the bat. All right, I tell you what, we need, we need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I... First coverage on News Talk Sports, WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. Yeah, that's a nice double dip tomorrow for Wisconsin sports fans. The Badgers in Penn State at 11, and then the Bears and the Packers from Soldier Field tomorrow afternoon, late afternoon kick. We're here with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. He's on location, but he can take your phone calls here. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here this morning. And uh, Merle needs to give... Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay, man, the opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to individuals. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and investment advisory services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, and Kelch Associates, unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. You know, Tom, we're kind of coming to the point now where it's, everybody's got their, you know, year end and uh, the year that was and all that kind of stuff going on. And, and uh, one of my favorite um, uh, accountants, of course, economists uh, that's out there, Brian Westbury out of uh, First Trust out of Chicago, um, just has a, a beauty of a synopsis over the course of this year. And uh, we can use that for a, a backbone of a couple things. And uh, I'd like to touch upon a few things here that we've noticed uh, inside of here, if you don't mind. That sure. works for you? Yep. Go ahead. All right, so one of the biggest ones he talked about, of course, was uh, what's going on with um, Bitcoin, just because of the price and talk about inflation inside of here. So one of the biggest things we have to look at for this year is the Federal Reserve um, has went through their future inflation experiences, or expectations, they call it. And they don't see, for the course of the next several years, in fact, the five-year period starting from uh, this year, they don't see inflation being much more than 2%. Now, it has gone from 0.08 earlier this year because we didn't know what's going on in mid-March. Um, and so we've increased to 1.8% of their expectation. But even still, um, inflation looks to be um, on the rise in the world the course of the next few years from where it has been. Um, and the part of that is just because we have so much cash out there. You know, right now we have roughly $3.1 trillion of additional debt, largely inside of cash that's one of the government into everybody's hands throughout the course of various stimulus and so forth. And so the definition of inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. Again, we got to start getting some of those uh, things built and put back together. Now, one of the biggest things in his article, folks, that I thought was absolutely tremendous was this. First of all, there's a whole thing called modern monetary, monetary theory, uh, which is this whole thing that says, well, we can just keep printing money to pay off the debt and then print off uh, more money to pay off more debt. But there is no such thing as just printing more money because all the money that comes into our government comes in through you and I as taxpayers um, or from private citizens lending money to the government. So there is no such thing as printing money. But what I thought was pretty amazing here is this. Um, if we take a look at this past fiscal year, the U.S. government debt was 1.6% of GDP, um, which we're looking to say, well, geez, 1.6% is that high or low? Well, in comparison, Tom, never do this uh, GDP was 1.7% in 2019, which means that our economy actually did expand. Uh, of course, as the year went on, the economy expanded in um, comparison to the amount of debt that we had had. comparison, if we look back in the 80s and the 90s, we were at 3% is what our interest was on GDP, which means right now we're still in pretty good shape for handling this debt that we have. But, Tom, well, and as everybody knows, we can't continue to have the debt indefinitely. That well, never works. They're discussing this, of course, as they discuss the stimulus package and whether the check should be 600 or 2000 And there are some who suggest that it is a good time to borrow money at this point in time because the interest rates are basically zero. That if you're yep. going to do something like this, this is the time to do it. Yep, and that's the, the whole point of this is that they're saying that, you know, now's the time to do so. My opinion is, is you know, why not just cut stuff out of the other stuff and give people 2000 that was my whole point, was why not just cut the budget someplace else and give people $2,000? I think that made a heck of a lot more sense than what, of course, uh, ended up actually happening. I would have actually liked that. So if we just continue to let inflation run itself and borrow money with uh, no uh, 
intention of ever paying it back, we turn ourselves into Argentina and other countries that no, but that be come on. Bad time. That's not going to happen. We eventually will pay this back. I mean, these are these aren't you know, well, it's not it's not all going to come. It's not you know, it always we always make it sound like a, a doomsday scenario that all of this well, money, all of this debt is going to come due at the same time, and that's not that's not the uh, how it works. That's not necessarily true. But we still have to make sure that we have a plan of having an expanding economy once to do so. Um, you know, if we don't have an expanding economy once to do so, we don't. We have issues. Um, you know, eventually, and this goes inside of the article in Airbree, eventually uh, math wins. We have to have the ability to pay it back. We can't continue indefinitely. If we look at the budgets, and I'm not picking on New York, California, or Illinois, but that's an example of just trying to continue to keep carrying the debt forward without generating some sort of a way to increase the uh, expansion or uh, taxes, tax base, and growth of the economy inside that will cover the debts. And we're seeing all those states having significant issues right now because their debt burden is so high based upon what their expenses are. You, uh, you said there were some other things in this article that you wanted to uh, kick out there as well. Well, inside of here, just talking about that national debt, I guess I talked about it too fast and I was too good about this. Now, okay, all right. So all right. I, uh, hey, I've got, I've got something for you I wanted to touch on. I saw, yeah. I saw a television commercial yesterday for a new product. And uh, as I was watching the commercial, I said, wow, that car is really cool looking. I wonder who makes it. And my first thought was Buick. And then I said, no, it's not a Buick. I wonder what it is. Turns out it's an entirely new car company. Have you heard of Lucid Motors? I have not. Lucid Motors is a new car company that has come is coming out with a new car called Air. It's an electric or uh, it's a, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's an electric car. The company is going to specialize in electric cars. Mm-hmm. Now, from I'm reading here, this company was founded in 2007 uh, it's based in Silicon Valley, but I think their factory is in Arizona. But it it, it was uh, fun. It was founded in 2007, but I hadn't heard about it until yesterday. And I don't know if anybody else is out there that had never heard of these these cars. Now they start at seventy thousand dollars, so obviously they're they're not going to be a, a you know in the in the ballpark for most people. I mean, Tesla started out almost that expensive too, or maybe even more expensive. And, has Tesla's price come down to where more regular people can afford it? And, and what do you think about a new car company starting at this point, even if it is an electric car company? Well, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I love the competition to go through. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things Tesla's going to have. You know, not, I, lucid, I have not seen that. By the way, Tom, you know, the amount of capitalistic instincts you're starting to garner over these years is <laughs> just, just really uh-huh. impressing. Yeah, me. Now yeah. you're looking at new vehicles. Jeez, have you looked up the stock yet, Tom? That's just um, if you did, you'd be graduated. Well, yeah, you know, I'm just looking at it now. You know who owns most of the stock? Who's that? The owner of most of the stock of Lucid. And this is fascinating because this is an electric car company. And I'm seeing here now that the uh, the investment fund that owns 67% of the company, Lucid Car, is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Well, look at so the, Saudi Arabia is getting involved. So the sheiks are realizing that their oil supply under the desert is finite, that it is not going yeah. to be around there forever, and they need to do something if they're going to keep doing what they're doing over there. Well, they've also got a lot of sunlight over there. So there could be, you know, and sand for making uh, silica and, and uh, solar panels. So they're, they're thinking ahead. Look at there. You know, the competition here, folks, is phenomenal, and I'm loving seeing what's going on with all this. Um, you know, I think electric vehicles are going to be the direction that we're going to end up going. I've said it before. It just makes sense. We're going to end up going in that direction for things that are short travel. You know, most of us, Tom, especially if we take a look at in northern Wisconsin where we live, 
Um, you know, an electric car makes sense to hop in a car and we uh, charge it, you know, once or twice a week and we can run around doing all of our different stuff and do that. I don't think that it necessarily cuts down on the amount of pollution it creates to build a vehicle, whether it's an electric vehicle or a regular or, or petroleum vehicle. I don't think it cuts down on building it from that standpoint, but I think the ongoing movement, I think it cuts down to a certain degree. Now, granted, we have to burn coal to charge the electric car. We have petrochemicals, of course, for running a, a different vehicle on an ongoing basis, but it is a little bit less. And so as a result of that, I think it just makes sense that we have that, um, uh, that we're going to go in that direction. So competition will be the case. And not only that, but competition is going to be a difficulty coming up for Tesla. Um, Tesla hasn't changed their designs very much. Um, uh, granted, their new um, you know, truck that they have coming out has got all kinds of really cool technology stuff in it, but it really looks bizarre. I'm not sure if people want to do that. I feel like we're in Logan's one run once again when I see it. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I think that's the direction we're going to go. So if we keep coming out with more companies, uh, more companies coming out with electric vehicles is going to do what? It's going to drive down costs, and that makes it so it's going to be less and less expensive as time goes on. And again, Tom, that's competition at its best. Well, we've, we've it's all seen, the whole design of it. We've seen some of the big car companies uh, embrace this technology as well, uh, some successfully, maybe some not as successfully when you talk about Toyota and you talk about Chevy, and even Ford now is getting into the uh, the uh, alternative energy vehicles. Uh, I think they, they see the writing on the wall, right? I mean, eventually... <laughs> oh, everybody does. Yeah, eventually you're going yeah. to have to get away from the internal combustion engine if you're going to be uh, viable in the marketplace. Maybe, well, not, in, maybe the, not in our lifetime, but eventually... The, the new Hummer is coming. I mean, it's going to be a yeah electric Hummer, an electric, an electric. Well, Hummer. The, you know, it's, yeah, you look at the the, the Hummer, and I, I got you know, I'm kind of a car nut. I like stuff that's got a lot of you know open power and you know get the testosterone fired up. And this new Hummer is just going to be a beast. It's going to have exceptional power, exceptional speed. It's going to have exceptional everything. Again, folks, you know, um, train locomotives don't run on diesel. They run on electricity. It's the same principle, except that the diesel engine fires up the generators to fire up the power. And uh, they're doing the same type of a principle with these electric trucks. Now, I think that the better source, in my opinion, if I had to say what's the best direction to do this in the whole EV type of marketplace, it's always going to be a hybrid, in my opinion. So that way you can hop into your EV, Tom, in central Wisconsin and drive down here to New Orleans in one shot. Because I just think it's impractical to have all these charging stations all over. I like the design that I know General Motors has one that they've worked on. Most manufacturers probably have. I think Honda has one close where you're using a hydrogen is cell it, that's helping to fire the EV engines. I think that type of a design, I think, is going to be the winner. Isn't the game changer, though, to have the charging stations that can, can be done quickly can, to tar- charge up your vehicle as quickly as you do by putting gas in the tank of your car now? I mean, that's going to be the game changer when they come up with a charging station where you can stop and recharge sure. your vehicle in you know a couple of minutes instead of you know half an hour or 45 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. I've, I've had uh, heard some articles where they talk about a uh, exchange package where you you pull up and you uh, you exchange your package out and put a new package in ah, and you yeah. go and then that okay. one charges. Sure. Yeah. So I've heard about that, but that is going to be the game changer. But I think it's going to be that hybrid design. And you know, if you have the hydrogen cell, your byproduct is water. And, uh, and I think that's going to be the winner. It seems to be, at least in my opinion, at this point. All right. We need to take a break here. We'll come back with more. We've got another segment. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back here on WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. At least I am. Merle's on location today. Phone lines are open in a short segment to finish up. 715-845-2155. 
We mentioned cars. How about airlines? The airline industry's 2020 loss is expected to top $35 billion in this pandemic year. Do you see that changing anytime soon? Is the travel industry, uh, whether it be airlines or cruise lines or yeah, anything yeah. like that, is that going to bounce back this year? Um, it, it already is. I mean, just from, uh, you know, the cruise that we were on this past year, the president of ours doing this, um, the cruise and vacation industry is starting to pick up dramatically right now. Um, right down to uh, airlines, to cruises, to everything, that, that industry is starting to just jump up like crazy. So, and I think it's all, all to do with the side of the vaccines. And now, um, folks, you, you guys don't know this from our end, but Tom and I do. Uh, one of our favorite websites for using this program is Market Watch. And I think they should give us a free subscription to their site for all the years that we've been using this, Tom. Well, I've been switching over to CNBC since yeah, Market Watch is starting to charge yeah. now, you know. Exactly. So yeah. it, it just rolls up, so I had the article sitting in front of me. So for our compliance friends that are listening to this program right now, uh, you're going to have to trust me. These articles exist. So, you know, Dr. Fauci said this past year, how long before things are going to be back to normal? And he said, well, it's going to be, you know, six or eight months into 2021. And, and I believe that same thing, maybe not necessarily with the same reason as him, and how long does the U.S. reach herd mentality? Those are the articles that we have. But um, eventually what's going to happen is that the herd immunity, not herd, herd, herd mentality, although yeah, there, well, there are some well, people well, that say that, yeah. that we do have the mentality of a herd of cows in some cases, yeah. Well, I kind of feel like the sign <laughs> of a cow. Maybe that's a, you know, but but all, of that's, all of that's kind of coming down, coming down the path, and I think it all is kind of coming into um, about halfway through 2021 as we hit herd immunity. The vaccines start coming in, and right now you see people starting to purchase vacation plans as a result of it. And I think the vaccine is going to make all that sort of stuff happen. Now, the one thing I think many people do, and so, so by the way, what, what are the vaccines doing? The vaccines are making it so that we create herd immunity. The vaccine isn't going to make the, the virus go away, per se. It's just going to make it so that we're not going to get sick when we get it. Um, well, now so, we've got the uh, the modified one that's out there now as well, so we've got it another should, thing It shouldn't change because the genetic sampling that they've done should wipe out both of them without any issue, at least from everything that we see. You know, I, I had the conversation with some friends here just recently, and they said, well, isn't the vaccine like the old one? I said, no. We took a section of the uh, took a section of the DNA, and we made it so we build an antibody to that section of the, of, the, of the DNA of the virus. So when we get the virus, it can't attach to our body, and we'll shed it like anything else that we would normally get many other uh, part of the day of the week and incidentally by the way um, uh, it was just announced that we actually created the vaccine moderna uh, two days after it was genetically sequenced because it was that easy the rest of the time it's been testing along the way that's how fast we were able to create the stuff uh, from a vaccine standpoint pretty amazing technology to me but as we come along it's going to take us that much time to get the, the herd immunity in. but at the same time tom it's going to take us that long to get people back to work again so even though we have the vaccine and let's say everybody gets it, we can't just simply say, okay, we're going to turn on the business. We're going to hire everybody back. We can't do that unless we have somebody to buy our products, goods, services, and widgets. And that usually takes some time. As you're coming out of a recessionary environment, which I don't know that we're in a recessionary environment. I think we're in a low growth, if I have to give it any sort of a term at all. Um, but inside of that environment, it's going to take it back to the widget machine company to start saying, okay, our demand for widgets is coming back. Let's start hiring some people. And I think that takes us six, eight months before our economy comes back to normal. And then we start seeing everything else come back to normal, too, especially as we're seeing, as we are right now, um, are a number of positive of, of uh, COVID cases dropping off and, and deaths getting lower. And that. Well, at least here in Wisconsin, at least here in Wisconsin and other places in the country, it's still you know running wild. Well, but there, yeah, there's going to be hotspots. You know what? And I bet we see hotspots for the next number of years. Uh, but at least it's it's coming 
more manageable, especially with the foresight of the vaccine coming along and slowing down. We talked earlier in the hour about staying away from trying to purchase the tech stocks that are, uh, you think, at least some of them might be artificially inflated. So what about the uh, techs, the, the stocks that have taken a big hit this year, the airlines, the cruise lines, the travel industry, uh, hotels, things like that? Are, are those buy opportunities at this point then? You know, Tom, I would have to say that personally for me, if I had a, a couple thousand dollars I'd be willing to waste at the casino, um, I think some of those may not be all that bad of a plan. Now, folks, I'm not running to tell you out and say go buy them. I'm not saying to do so because I don't know your particular thoughts. Um, but, you know, we look at some of these. They've been so depressed at this point in time. It appears as though we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. I would take a look and see if there's anything of, of interest in those areas um, uh, for you. But, again, like anybody else, make sure you know what it is. And I would say this is money you want to be able to waste at a casino um, before you go into it. I wouldn't bet the farm on it, certainly. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. I know you want to get out on your gator hunt today down in uh, the swamps of Lake Pontchartrain. <laughs> we- you and Amos Moses are going to go looking for the, the gators. and. You know it. <laughs> if folks want to get a hold of you when you get back to town, how can they do that? Well, folks, we'll be back in town at the office on Tuesday. Give us a call, 715-849-3600. Of course, our office, our staff is in there on Monday. Um, you can find us 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. You can give us a call toll-free outside the Wausau area at 715-866-355-5100. There it is. Um, or you can find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. Merle, week, buddy. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau here today on the program. We've got the news. The polka shows are on the way next on WSAU. Hi, I'm Dave Glowey, president and CEO of the National Insurance Crime Bureau. Natural disasters are an unfortunate and tragic part of life for many individuals across the United States. 